I just told Heidi this, Jamal, I could, I could listen to you play for quite a while, you know, so, uh, so not that, that's not a cue to keep playing, but, but I could listen to you for a long time and stuff, so thank you very much, all right. Uh, a couple, well, one thing right now, just a, a housekeeping issue. Uh, a week from today, there's a group of people that are going to be getting on from this church that are getting on an airplane to head over to Israel. And, uh, and I'd like to, uh, like to let you know that we need your prayers. And I'm going to list these people and we're going to pray for them right now. You might be sitting next to them. I'm not going to ask them to stand or anything, but if, but if, uh, if their name is mentioned, simply reach out, uh, make contact with them, and, and I'm going to pray for them. So it's Doug Block, it's Bill Murray, it's Don Meister, Don Cranford, Susie Pace, who's up upstairs running the, the slides, Cindy Ulitz, Lorena Geary, who oversees our children's ministry, Dave and Jill Stein, Jim Martin, and myself. We've uh, we talked about this a couple years ago, and and this is the team that uh, that that we're that's going over there. And so I'm going to be gone for the next three Sundays. And uh, the following people need your prayers as well. Dane Nix is going to be preaching next Sunday. We're looking forward to that on Hebrews chapter 12. Rob's preaching in a couple weeks. Uh, and then after that is Adam Matthew. So those are the three individuals that are going to be preaching. So the, the messages are probably going to be better than what you've been hearing recently or whatever the case may be, but we look forward to how Dane and Rob and Adam are used by God to do great things. And so that group of folks, uh, we're going to pray for them right now, and so join me as we pray. If you're sitting by them, uh, simply reach out and touch them, and, uh, and we'll pray. Right now, Father, we pray that you would take this crew of people and that you would use this bucket list trip to impact their lives, to impact all of our lives. We pray for safety. We pray for insight. We pray that our understanding of who you are and what you've done would expand. And we pray that healing would take place. And we pray that great things would happen as we uh, leave and go to the place where, where you yourself came and walked. And Lord, as we walk those streets that you walked, we pray that we would be impacted all the more by how great you are and how significant it is that you came and lived among us. So we pray for each one of these individuals. We pray that you would open eyes, ears, hearts, and minds, and that you would continue your great work in our lives. So use us to be your witnesses, and may you be lifted up, and may our lives be changed. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So thank you for praying for us, and we look forward to coming back and, and sharing with you all that God has taught us while we were there. We continue our series, The Sensational God, by taking a look at the one sense that I think oftentimes is overlooked, and it's the sense of touch. Touch is the very first sense that is activated in our lives. All the other senses take time to develop, but touch is almost instant. Look at any newborn baby, and you reach out, and you touch their feet, or you touch their, their hand, and what happens? They respond. Touch is important. And as social researchers have shown us again and again and again, healthy touch helps, helps, helps create healthy people. As a matter of fact, there are different Christ-following mission organizations that invite people to come over and simply hold babies. 
That's their entire job for a week or two weeks. The reason why is because they have so many babies they don't have enough people taking care of them, and so they invite people over to simply hold babies, and what they've concluded is by people coming over to hold these babies, it prevents problems later on in life. That's how important healthy touch is. Now, I, I, it, it doesn't embarrass me, but it pains me to say the following. As we're talking about touch today, we're talking about healthy touch. We're not talking about abusive touch. We're not talking about aggressive touch. We're talking about healthy touch. And I'm going to make this statement, and then I'm going to come back. If you have someone in your life right now who is touching you in unhealthy ways, please let me or one of the elders know. The reason why is because, and, and you see it, you see it on the news, all these different unhealthy touches that are happening have a profound impact on people's lives, and we're here to do what we can to help. And so please, please, please let us know how we can help. And if you're in that situation, please get out of it and let us know how we can help. And so today we're talking about healthy touch. We're talking about good touch. And you'll see this as we read through the Gospels. Not today. We're not going to read through all the Gospels today. But as you read through the Gospels, you will come to understand this. Jesus Christ touched people's lives, both physically, spiritually, mentally. You name it, he touched their lives. Their lives were forever changed by that. And I invite you now to go to Luke chapter 8, and we'll look at one of these experiences, one of these encounters that Jesus has with a person who reached out and touched him. We pick it up in Luke 8, starting at verse 40. Now when Jesus returned, a crowd welcomed him, for they were all expecting him. Then a man named Jairus, a synagogue leader, came and fell at Jesus' feet, pleading with him to come to his house because his only daughter, a girl of about 12, was dying. As Jesus was on his way, the crowds almost crushed him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years, but no one could heal her. She came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak, and immediately the bleeding stopped. Who touched me? Jesus asked. When they all denied it, Peter said, Master, the, pr the people are crowding and pressing against you. But Jesus said, Someone touched me. I know that power has gone out from me. Then the woman, seeing that she could not go unnoticed, came trembling and fell at his feet. In the presence of all the people, she told why she had touched him and how she had been instantly healed. Then he said to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. Father, we pray now, as we look at this encounter, we pray that your Holy Spirit would open our eyes that we could see, open our ears that we could hear, open our minds that we could understand, and open our hearts that we would be transformed by your amazing touch. And that in the process of you touching our lives, that we would then touch lives around us for your gospel. May no one hear anything that I say, Lord, but may they only hear what it is that you want them to hear, that you need them to hear. And may you, Lord Jesus, receive all glory. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. 
for the gospel writers. For the gospel writers, they're never afraid to approach any type of issue that confronted Jesus Christ. They're not afraid to use different styles of writing, and they're, they're certainly not afraid to also show us a story with a touch of irony. And there's a lot of irony in this little encounter that we just read, and, and, and we see it almost immediately. Verse 40, now when Jesus returned, a crowd welcomed him, for they were all expecting him. We come to find out a few verses later that this crowd is huge, so huge that they're pressing in on him. It's, it's impossible for him to move from point A to point B. Jesus Christ is receiving the red carpet treatment, which is rather ironic because many people, many people are beginning to get a little agitated with Jesus. Many people are not so thrilled with who he is and the proclamations he makes, but yet everybody wants to see him in action. So they roll out the red carpet for him, and this man, we pick it up in verse 41, then a man named Jairus, a synagogue leader, came and fell at Jesus' feet, pleading, pleading with him to come to his house because his only daughter, a girl of about 12, was dying. Yes, the people were there for a show. They were there to see Jesus Christ do amazing things. That's why they were there. And yet this man bursts through the crowd, comes to Jesus, falls at his feet, probably touches him as he fell at his feet. And he says, please come to my house. My only daughter is dying. As we live life, life happens. No one is immune. No one is immune. Jairus had it all. He had it all. He was respected in the society. He was respected at the synagogue. He was respected among his neighbors. He had it all. Yet life happens. And when life happens, it can get difficult at times. Approximately 10 years ago, I was getting some work done in my office uh, while I was serving at this church in Scottsdale, Arizona, when my cell phone rang, and on the screen of my cell phone, it said Pima Elementary, Elementary School. It's where Heidi went to school. It's where she attended. She was in sixth grade, and, and so I picked up the phone, expecting to hear the principal that Heidi's in trouble again. That's not true. Um, did get some laughs, though. Remember that. I was expecting to hear the principal, I was expecting to hear from her, from her teacher. But instead, I heard sobs. And after a few of those sobs, I heard Heidi's voice. And Heidi's voice said words that are forever etched in my mind. Dad, could you come get me from school? I can't walk. Heidi had been dealing with this issue with her right hip for quite a few months. We had seen doctors, and we had wondered what was going on, and, and she was playing soccer months prior to this, and someone slid tackled her, and, and we seemed to think that that really exasperated the situation, but doctor after doctor couldn't tell us what was going on. But Heidi was in pain. 
And to hear her say that she couldn't walk, it took the wind out of my sails. And so, dropped whatever I was doing, got in the car, drove to her school, picked her up, and for the next 48 hours, our lives were turned over, over and over and over again. Not knowing what to do, not knowing what's going to happen next. And the next thing we know, Heidi's being wheeled in for surgery. The next thing we know is that as she's being wheeled in for surgery, Don and I are around her and Stephanie, her sisters around her, were praying for her and, and I continued walking with the gurney that has my daughter on it. And I kept walking and walking and walking and then the doors open for where they're going to take her in for surgery and the doors close and I cannot go any further. And I stopped and I said, Lord Jesus Christ, touch my daughter and touch the doctors that are about to do this operation. Restore my daughter. What had happened was that Heidi's femur had slipped out of its socket. And so what they needed to do was put a seven-inch incision in her right hip, open it up, take out the socket and put it back, take out the femur and put it back in. And then sew her back up. Put screws in it and I saw the screws. Looks like you could pick them up at any Ace hardware store for crying out loud. And then, of course, to give the eye my statement, I'm going, these screws I could have got for 25 cents, they're costing me thousands of dollars. And that's what's keeping my daughter's hip together. Life happens. And when life happens, we need Jesus Christ to come in and touch us. We need Jesus Christ to come in and, and meet us where we are. And, and as a parent and as a grandparent, and perhaps you don't have children, but you're around children and you see what's going on. And when they hurt, you hurt. And this dad, Jairus, is crushed right now. He's desperate. He's helpless. He doesn't know what to do. And he pleads with Jesus to come alongside and to do something. He needs to have his life touched by Christ. And his daughter needs to have that touch, needs to have that restoration. So Jairus is there. And he comes face to face with Jesus Christ. And there's more irony going on here. And Jairus is a synagogue leader, like I, like I told you earlier. And he knows all the purity laws. He knows everything that he can do and he can't do. And yet, if we were to read a few verses prior to this encounter, what we see is that Jesus Christ has just cast out all these demons from an individual. He cast out all these demons, so technically, Jesus Christ now is unclean until he gets himself clean. And Jairus, who knows all the purity laws, is in a desperate situation, and he violates all types of purity laws, and he touches Jesus Christ because he's that desperate. He needs Jesus to heal him, to heal his daughter as well as his own soul at this time. You see, there's irony. There's irony in this story and it continues on and, and what, we, what we come to find out is that this crowd continues to grow and what's important about this, and I invite you just to turn maybe a page or not even a page, but just go back to the beginning of Luke chapter 8. And I want to alert you to something. The gospel writers do, first off, the gospel writers are amazing writers. But they don't simply put things in there just for the sake of putting them in there. There's rhyme and reason to what they do. And in Luke chapter 8, we pick it up in verse 4. 
Listen to what happens. While a large crowd was gathering, when people were coming to Jesus from town after town, he told this parable. A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. It was trampled on, and the birds ate it up. Some fell on rocky ground, and when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up with it and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than was sown. Luke repeatedly throughout, throughout this chapter talks about how crowds were pressing Jesus, in essence, trying to choke him out. And just as that day when Heidi was wheeled into surgery and I'm standing outside those doors, can't go any further, my faith was broken at that time. My faith was being choked out by all these anxieties of what's going to happen next. Lord Jesus, come in and touch my daughter. Jairus is at this place where the crowd is around him. And the question is being asked, will the effect of the crowd choke out the faith of this man? There are so many things going on in our lives right now that are you being choked out. Is your faith in Jesus Christ being choked out? Is it being so touched by this world that your faith is on life support? As Jesus was on his way, back to the gospel, chapter 8. As Jesus was on his way, the crowds almost crushed him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years, but no one could heal her. We've talked about how important healthy touch is, and we've talked about how that helps produce healthy people. And now we come to this place where Jairus and Jesus are walking to Jairus' house, and all of a sudden Luke introduces us to another person who comes out of the crowd. She comes out of this crowd, and we're informed that she's been bleeding for 12 years. She is living a touchless life. No one is allowed to touch her. If you want some background on this, I invite you to look back at Luke, uh, at Leviticus chapter 15, and you'll understand what she's going through. But this woman has been physically isolated for 12 years. No one's touched her. And yet Luke keeps talking about this crowd being so big that it was crushing Jesus. He has the Jairus fall at Jesus' feet. This crowd is immense. This crowd is enormous. And now we're introduced to a woman who's not felt physically touched for 12 years. Every time she ventured out, she would have to scream, unclean, 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 so people would get out of her way. Touch is important. And we are designed as human beings for community, not isolation. And so often what ends up happening in life is that people isolate themselves. And we live in a world that has never been more digitally connected than at any other time in human history, yet we are far more isolated than at any other time in history. We are longing for connection. We are designed for that connection. We are designed for that community experience. We're designed to have healthy touch in our lives. It's part of who we are. And yet this woman for 12 years has never been touched. 
has never been touched. And so remember, I told you about this irony that, that Jairus, Jairus is the synagogue leader who has it all together. He has everything going for him. He has a family. He has respect in the community. That's one extreme. And now he's introduced us to this woman who's not been touched for at least 12 years. She's exhausted all resources. We're told in one of the other accounts that the, it's either Matthew or Mark says this about her. says she had spent everything she had, yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. Jairus has everything. This woman has nothing. She needs the touch of Jesus Christ. From one extreme to the other, what Luke is saying to us is Jesus is always accessible. There is no situation in life that is too great for him or too poor for him to not touch that person's life. So wherever you are on this spectrum of having it all together or having absolutely nothing, Jesus Christ can touch your life. No matter how old you are or how young you are. Jesus Christ can touch your life. And Luke is setting up the scene because notice he gives us these details. Just as Jairus' daughter was 12 years old, this woman has a bleeding issue for 12 years. In essence, she's been void of life for 12 years. There's something going on here. There's a connection being made here. And then she reaches out and she touches the one. Verse 44. She came up behind Jesus and touched the edge of his cloak, and immediately her bleeding stopped. Who touched me? asked Jesus. When they all denied it, Peter said, Master, the people are crowding and pressing against you. But Jesus said, Someone touched me. I know that power has gone out from me. In this little section, the word touch occurs four different times. Part of the reason why Luke is bringing this up is, again, what I referred to earlier about Leviticus 15. Levitical law says there can be no touch for this woman. But yet Luke says four times in this section that there's touch involved. Meaning that Jesus Christ is blowing through all those, all those rules and all those laws because he knows what this woman needs. And so imagine how she's coming through this. And, and we don't hear that she's yelling, unclean, unclean. All we hear is somehow, someway, she makes it to Jesus and reaches out and touches the edge of his cloak. It means this, that from, from her to get from point A to Jesus' cloak, whoever she touched became unclean. And she gets to Jesus and she touches that cloak. So often the crowd makes it difficult for us to touch Jesus. The crowd could be self-doubt. The crowd could be bad influences in our life. The crowd could be our own selves. The crowd could be a variety of things that make it difficult for us to touch Jesus. She makes it. For the first time in 12 years, physical contact 
for the first time in 12 years, hope. For the first time in 12 years, healing. All because she made it to Jesus. I would venture to say that there are people in this room for that, that it's been longer than 12 years. That you've been battling a variety of things and it, the battle continues to only deepen. The battle continues to only worsen. Your insecurities that you thought you could manage a few years ago are now out of control and they're controlling your lives and you can't see straight anymore. We need Jesus. We need to be touched by Jesus. And we need to experience his presence in our lives all the more. So she makes her way through. And love what Luke says at the end of verse 44. He says, immediately her bleeding stopped. She could experience it like that. It's over. The bleeding is done. It's over. And what I almost want to see is at this point, she's then, she just sort of fades into the background and moves back into her house or whatever she's living in, and she just sort of goes there. You almost want to see that because she's so careful to make her way there, but now she's healed, and you're just thinking, okay, Jesus is going to keep right on going because he's got a dying kid on his mind. But yet, the question must be asked. Her healing is immediate, or is it? Verse 45, who touched me who touched me why does this happen even in a crowd Jesus knows your need even in a crowd Jesus Christ knows your need you may think that Jesus doesn't want to have a whole lot to do with you. You may think that your issues aren't that big of a deal, but Jesus Christ knows your need. You could be in a crowd of 10,000 people, and Jesus Christ knows your need. We live on a planet with over 7 billion people. Jesus Christ knows your need. He can reach in and he can touch your life because he knows your need. And then we have the Einstein of apostles by the name of Peter. Who says this. When they all denied it, Peter said, Master, come on. The people are crowding and pressing against you. In essence, Peter is saying, really? You're getting touched all the time here. There are people all around you. There are people crowding you. There are people, in essence, trying to choke you. It is so dense with humanity. Luke, again, alerts us to this crowd that Jesus is around, and we connect it back to the beginning of Luke 8, where he's talking about the thorns growing up, trying to choke out the plants. 
And yet Jesus Christ continues to reign true. Jesus Christ continues to provide the faith. And this woman in the midst of the crowd now has a question. Am I going to step up or not? The crowd wants to have her go back and leave them alone. They don't know what's happened. She's the only one. She and Jesus are it. But Jesus seems to be doing something here to say, Woman, will you have the faith? Verse 46. But Jesus said, Someone touched me. I know that power has gone out from me. Jesus Christ's power can never be choked out by a crowd. There may be all types of naysayers. There may be all types of people. But Jesus Christ can never have his power choked out. It just can't happen. He is greater than any type of need out there. And he touches people's lives. And one of the biggest things that can choke out faith is fear. And we pick it up in verse 47. Then the woman, seeing that she could not go unnoticed, came trembling and fell at his feet. Oh no, I'm caught. For 12 years, I've been by myself. For 12 years, I haven't interacted with it. I haven't, I haven't physically touched anyone. For 12 years, anytime I leave my house, I say, unclean, unclean, unclean. And today, I make contact. Today, I get healed. Today, I simply want to go back to my house. But now, you're going to call me out and say, who touched me? She came trembling. And fell at his feet. Jairus earlier in the story fell at Jesus' feet. Again, Jesus can handle any type of extreme. She fell at his feet and notice this next line. In the presence of all the people, she told why she had touched him and how she had been instantly healed. Fear can choke out that faith. It was faith that navigated her through that crowd to get to Jesus. It was faith that had her reach up and touch the edge of his cloak so that she could be healed. It was faith that brought her to this point. And now fear is right there attempting to choke that faith and say, be quiet, just move on, you're going to be okay. But yet she takes a step and she proclaims to all the people what Jesus Christ had done for her. We need courage to proclaim how Jesus Christ has touched our lives. I don't want to see a show of hands, but I'm going to ask you a question. How fearful are you when the opportunity to proclaim what Jesus Christ has done in your life, how fearful are you to make that proclamation? There's a reason why we're fearful. The reason why we're fearful is because now we're out there. It's going to take courage. Jesus Christ is presenting an opportunity. And now, what are we going to do? Fear is real. And for this woman, it was real. Her life has just been radically changed, and yet she's afraid. Your life has been changed by Christ and he provides an opportunity for you to stand up in the crowd and say, Jesus Christ has touched my life and let me tell you what he's done, yet you're afraid. 
she shares with everybody what has happened in her life. Remember what I said earlier. Her healing is immediate, or is it? Yes, she was physically healed, but her healing was not complete. Look at verse 48. Then Jesus said to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. Her healing is now complete. How do we know? Look at the word. She is no longer this anonymous person. She is now called a daughter. Meaning, she is now part of the community. Remember what I said earlier, we are designed for community, not isolation. And Jesus Christ has healed her life, but yet she's wanting to be isolated again. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. We are designed for community. You are a daughter. She is restored to the community, and Jesus moves her from someone to a daughter. When Jesus Christ changes your life, when Jesus Christ touches your life, you no longer are someone, you become his child. And in the midst of being that child, you are part of a community that changes the world. Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. What he's saying is this. Everybody look around. Because this woman that's been in isolation for 12 years is now part of your family. And you now need to care for her as if she's part of your family because she is part of your family. Verse 49, and we're going to pick it up because some of you are going, well, what happened to Jairus? While Jesus was still speaking, someone came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead. He said, don't bother the teacher anymore. Hearing this, Jesus said to Jairus, don't be afraid. Just believe and she will be healed. When he arrived at the house of Jairus, he did not let anyone go in with him except Peter, John, and James, and the child's father and mother. Meanwhile, all the people were wailing and mourning for her. Stop wailing, Jesus said. She's not dead but asleep. They laughed at him knowing that she was dead. Remember, the crowd is still there. Jairus still has a need. Jairus' faith is being shaken. And if I'm Jairus, I'm telling Jesus, really? You let yourself get interrupted? My daughter is now dead. His faith is shaken. Verse 54, But Jesus took her by the hand and said, My child, get up. Her spirit returned, and at once she stood up. Then Jesus told them to give her something to eat. Her parents were astonished, but he ordered them not to tell anyone what had happened. Jesus Christ touched their lives. Jesus Christ continues touching people's lives. Jesus Christ will not stop touching people's lives. And as our lives are touched by his life, we touch other lives by telling our story. I'm going to ask the band to come up as we begin to wrap this up. Your life today, has it been touched by Jesus at some time? Maybe not today, but in recent history. Your life today, 
does it need that touch of God's grace to come in and meet you where you are? Your anxieties are through the roof. Your insecurities are running rampant. Perhaps you have relationship issues. Perhaps you're dealing with shame. Perhaps you're dealing with guilt. I don't know what it is, but perhaps all these things are crowding in on you and Jesus Christ is saying, reach out and touch me. Reach out and let me touch you. If that's the case, if that's the case, know this, that Jesus will never turn away from you. Jesus Christ will reach in and touch your life and change your life with a grace that conquers everything in your life. That's how much he cares. He brings us from isolation into community. He brings us from doubt into faith. He brings us from, from, from fear and anxiety to peace. That's the type of Jesus Christ we have, a Jesus who, does, who is not afraid to touch your life with his incredible grace that rescues everyone. Father, we pray now. We ask that your Holy Spirit would move freely among us. And Lord, I confess that oftentimes I get so busy that I don't want you to touch my life because I think I can figure it out on my own. And yet, all it does is exhaust me. And I don't think I'm the only one that does that in this room. So, Father, we pray in the midst of our lives that you would provide for us the faith we need to be touched by you, to be restored by you, so that we can then share that great story of how you've touched our lives, that we could share that great story with people around us. Lord, there are people in this room who feel isolated and I pray that you would in the midst of their lives touch their life in such a way that they would then be connected to this community of faith, this community of Christ followers and that we as a community of Christ followers would say, you're part of our family and that you would use this community of Christ followers to bring about your healing in people's lives and that that faith would grow deeper and deeper and deeper in all of our lives. Thank you for being the one who can handle all types of extremes in life. When we have it all together and when we have absolutely nothing together, you still can touch our lives and you can still reach into our lives and restore our lives. And we pray that you would continue to do that very thing. Lord, as we sing these next couple of songs, I pray that you would move in our midst, that you would touch our lives, and that we would respond with great worship. We love you, and we thank you for touching us in ways that restore us, in ways that we could never understand fully. Oh, Lord, you truly are amazing. It's in your name we pray, Lord Jesus. Amen. I invite you to stand and sing.